0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is the Gospel from Matthew chapter 11, which, as I read it earlier, you may have noticed, did not really have a whole lot of Gospel in it. So how are you doing at getting ready for Christmas? How are you doing at getting ready for Christmas? The coming of Jesus. I'd imagine most of you are doing pretty well. After all, it is Sunday morning and here you are in worship. Um, Many of you either have or will attend a Wednesday Advent service, which probably one-tenth of one percent of the entire population of the United States has no idea what that even means. Maybe you have an advent wreath at home on a table. Or at least an advent calendar that you can open up each day and view the the picture that's inside. Or if you're really fortunate, you get the one that's got the little piece of chocolate in it. Sweeten you up for the day. Maybe you have a stable for your nativity set that's underneath your Christmas tree. And each night after family devotions, maybe you add another piece to that nativity set until Christmas comes, and then you put the baby Jesus in the manger. That's what one of my professors from the seminary does with his family at his house. So compared to most people, you probably are ready for Jesus. Or are you? In our text for today, we meet a whole lot of people who thought they were ready for Jesus, for the Messiah, for a Savior. But it turns out they weren't. In fact, quite disturbingly, the guy who was supposed to get everybody ready turns out to not be so ready himself. John the Baptist, the forerunner, the one who was to prepare the way. Elijah himself now has doubts. Eleven chapters into the book of Matthew. Are you the one? Or should we expect another? Now even John isn't sure. I suppose it is fairly understandable. After all, John is at this point in prison. He's doing his job speaking the truth to King Herod about his marriage and God's law. But now doubt has seeped in. And he's asking, is Jesus the one? And Jesus, well, he doesn't do what we might consider to be the pastoral thing to do at this point, does he? He doesn't speak words of comfort to this struggling prophet. Actually, it's kind of harsh. You want proof? Look around. The blind see? The lame walk? The deaf hear? It's right there in Isaiah chapter 35. Don't you remember? I don't think that Jesus was too pleased. And in fact, at the end of that passage, he says, Blessed is the one who is not falling away. Scandalized because of me. So apparently John the Baptist is not among those who are blessed. Because he's wavering. Because now he is doubting. Come on, John, get with the program. So I'll ask you again, how are you at getting ready for that Jesus? Well, it doesn't get any better. He turns on the crowds. What did you go out in the wilderness to see when you went to see this John the Baptist? Just a celebrity? A fad? The latest and greatest? But where are you now? Has anything John said made any difference? You went out there to be baptized in this baptism of repentance. Yet nothing has changed. And now here am I. The one whom John said would come and you are rejecting me too. You see, the crowds were not responding to Jesus any better than they did to John. And so Jesus says, the winnowing fork is in my hand. But that winnowing fork is not thrown at the people you want it to be. It's turned on you. It's turned on me. We are the ones who are coming under condemnation because we have refused to listen to Jesus. So I'll ask you again, how are you at getting ready for that Jesus to come? Then Jesus makes a little bit of a backhanded compliment to John, you might say. Yes, John was the prophet sent to prepare the way, but then he takes it right back again when he says the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. It's all a little bit disturbing, isn't it? Nobody is getting the comfort or support that we might expect from Jesus. In fact, mercifully, the people who put together the lectionary series, they stopped at today's reading at verse 15, and thank goodness they did. Because after verse 15, it doesn't get any better. It gets worse. Jesus complains about this generation as being a bunch of little kids who play around and don't listen at all. He complains about those who mock Him as a drunkard and a glutton when He's hanging around tax collectors and sinners. And the very cities that He's preaching to in Bethsaida and Chorazin and Capernaum, He tells them it would be better for Sodom than for those cities on the Day of Judgment. He's got nothing good or happy to say for about 25 verses in that chapter 11. So I'll ask you again, how are you doing at getting ready for this Jesus to come? You and I have a tendency to domesticate him, as I'm sure some of you are aware. We like to fit him into nice little boxes. And any number of Sunday school programs over the next couple of weeks will sing that nice little song, Away in the Manger, just as we did this past Wednesday evening. We all know it. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask you to stay. Close by me forever. But do you really want that Jesus close by you forever? Because you see, Jesus is a destabilizer. He comes into a world that is complacent and shakes it up. He comes into a world that wants a Savior, but then tries to tell that Savior what he should really be doing. We know what we want saving from, and it's not what you're selling, Jesus. He comes to people who are content with who they are and shakes them out of their place of comfort. You know as well as I do that we could all use some comfort these days. We like our comfortable places, we like our routines, we like those safe spots, we enjoy our Christmas traditions. We peer out into that dark world out there, and we see uncertainty. We see darkness. We hear about election issues, supply chain problems, and inflation that's not been seen in more than 40 years. And that makes us wonder, what will happen next in our world? We have uncertainty about the health of our family members, perhaps our parents, our children, our friends, or maybe even ourselves. There is even some uncertainty in church. Will we continue to hold that light out in a crooked and perverse generation that is trying to snuff it out? We need comfort. And we look here inside our beautiful sanctuary with our Christmas tree and the lighted garland and the wreaths, and here comes Jesus yelling and screaming and condemning, not speaking a single word of comfort, all to make us even more uncomfortable, even here, to remind us of the way things are, and indeed the way that you and I are. You see, Jesus destabilizes things in a way that no one else can. He came into a world where there is blindness, and he took it away. Nobody else could do that. He came into a world where there was leprosy and lameness, and he took it away. Nobody else could do that. He came into a world where the poor are pushed aside and ignored. And he preached good news to them while he tore down rulers from their thrones. He came into a world where death is feared but inevitable. And he even made death itself go away. You see, God has come himself into this world in this man, Jesus. The God who has all power over all his creation... Who fearlessly and recklessly goes on a mission to make all things new. To make all people new. This Jesus is not to be taken lightly. He's not to be doubted. He is not to be ignored. Because this Jesus is the one. He is the one who has ultimate power over all things. And yet... And yet, he made himself to be one who is able to be ignored. He is one who has ultimate authority and yet made himself one who could be misunderstood and just passed off. This God became flesh, a man. He put on skin and bone He grew tired. He grew impatient. He was even at times seemingly a little sarcastic. He took on all the weakness of our flesh so that he could take everything, all the darkness, all the sin into his body and put it to death on the cross. So that he could rise again in the ultimate act of destabilization to create new life where it had never been before. He died the death that he did not deserve, but he rose again to new life to give us the life that we do not deserve. And he's now become our comfort, he's become our comfort. Comfort that's not found in our government. Not in our employer. Not in our doctor or our insurance company. Not any human leader. It is in Christ only. In Christ alone. Everything else is stripped away except for Jesus. This is the Jesus that you are getting ready for. He is coming. And he will be different. O oh, come, let us worship him. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith, in Christ Jesus, unto life everlasting. Amen.